Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Hello, singular lady. I've been waiting for this because we can be like, hello, sister, sister. It's just the two of us. <laughs> I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones, and you, my sisters, are listening to Vibe Check. This is the first time ever it's just been the two of us. I know. And it was like a holiday weekend. I was like, ooh, a lot lot of change. A lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. So our dearest Zach Stafford, he is currently across the pond. He's in Berlin for like a film festival, then some other stuff. We're Mm going to hear from him while he's away for just a bit. But mostly it is Saeed and I riding duo today. I'm excited about it. I'm excited. And, you know, it's like, what, this is the beginning of Pisces season. It's also, I don't know what's been going on in California, but I I don't know what's happening here in Columbus. But all month long, it's been incredibly windy. Like, Mm. like a a friend's fence just got knocked down. It's like my dog is barking because he keeps hearing. It just, like, keeps happening. And I just feel like a lot of tumult, a lot of change and transformation, which honestly feels like it works with both of our topics this week. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) this week we have two really, really interesting topics that are kind of connected because they both deal with emotion. The first is the news about Senator John Fetterman. Uh, He checked himself into the hospital last week to be treated for depression. And that's a big deal. I don't think I've ever seen a U.S. senator do that during their tenure. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. More power to him and lots to discuss there. Power to him and power to us for, you know, getting better about mental health, I think. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then next, uh, we will talk about a woman who loves to write about all kinds of emotions really, really well, SZA. Mm -hmm. She's broken a record. Her album, SOS, will not leave the top of the charts, which makes us say it's a good time to talk about SZA. Shoot up that flare, baby. SOS, call for SOS. <laughs> we're going to get there in just a bit. But first, we're going to check on our emotional state, our vibes. Ooh. Saeed, how are you doing? What's your vibe this week? 
Everything feels close to home in fun and not fun ways. The not fun way Mm -hmm. is, of course, I'm still thinking about the fallout of the disaster in East Palestine, Ohio. Thank you to readers who have written in. Um, I'm glad, you know, our discussion last week resonated. It's really striking and disturbing reading about Mm -hmm. cities like Louisville, Kentucky and Cincinnati, Ohio, diverting their water sources out of concerns mm. about like, they're just like, it's an abundance of caution about how those chemicals might've impacted the Ohio river. But like Columbus is about a hundred miles from Cincinnati. You know wow. what I mean? So wow. like it, it is a national story in terms of significance, but obviously it feels very personal, but also in terms of like, I guess fun close to home, we're talking about SZA. And then I was like, oh my gosh, SZA's performing in Columbus tonight. Now, I won't see her because my (laughs) bank account said, you must choose. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My bank account was like, either you're sending up that SOS flare or you're taking your disco ball to Renaissance. And what's it going to be? And let me fact check here. I think you're going to Renaissance more than once. (laughs) Mind your business. (laughs) Mind your business. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) But then, okay, so the third thing where I was like, what's going on? I was like, it's vibe check my life. This weekend, I went to a drag show. It was a contest called The Battle of the Ballads. I'm like, okay. And it was like really fun. It was actually very diverse. There were like cis men doing, you know, their thing. Um, There were cis women, obviously like gay drag queens, everything. And then one of the drag queens got up there and sang Bonnie Raitt's I can't make you Whoa. love me. And I was like, what is... It's wow. funny you mention that because every now and then I get together with a good podcaster friend of mine named Kevin Porter. He hosts a podcast called Good Christian Fun. And okay. we just get together every oh, few weeks and months <laughs> and jam out. Uh-huh. And we played Bonnie Raitt's I Can't Make You Love Me. I'll actually find the video and post it. Um, it was good. I was jamming out to it this weekend. That song is yeah. in the air. I feel it. Yeah. And it's funny to to mention Bonnie again because there's a spiritual through line to what Bonnie was doing yes. and what SZA is doing. Yes. We're going to talk about it. I'm really excited. So, yeah, I just feel for better or worse, like in rhythm, like so many of the okay. things that are on our hearts and minds that we're talking about, like it feels like everywhere I turn, I'm like, oh, wow, there it is again, which is... I guess a good thing, but a little startling, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. How are you? What's your vibe? My vibe, so we had a holiday weekend in general. Mm-hmm. I love those. It's good. The weather's starting to feel pretty good in L.A. Like, there was a moment this weekend where I was outside hiking and broke a sweat. And I was like, oh, oh it's hot. I like. But there was one thing that happened to me while I was out and about Monday, President's Day, that just has me thinking about how all of us in general need to be really careful about how we interact with strangers out in the world. Because oh, okay. even when you think you're doing right, you can ruin someone's day. So mm-hmm. I'm going to set it up really quick and just tell you what happened because I mm-hmm. want to vent about it. I'm ready. So my partner um, has wanted to get a new electric bike for a while. They have some bikes now where like the battery is in the frame of the bike and mm-hmm. they can power the bike up to like 20 miles Kinda an hour. Kind of gives you an extra... It gives you an extra push. Like one pedal will take you like yeah. half a block. Yeah. Yeah. It ain't for me. That scares me. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to get it. So mm-hmm. I drove him out to Santa Monica to test drive one. And while he was going to test drive it riding through Santa Monica for like 10 or 15 minutes, I went to like grab some coffee. So I'm walking back to the bike store while he's still out biking for his test drive. But I see him about to bike up to the store as I'm like walking up or like at a red light. So I start like teasingly like catcalling him. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, there's some fries come with that shake. You Ooh, sure do look okay. good on that bike. How's it going? <laughs> Then he leans back and kind of interacts with me as well. Uh It's funny. It's cute. It's a moment. 
But then as I'm walking and he's pulling up with his bike back to the bike shop, this woman like grabs his shoulder and says, are you okay? Is he bothering you? What? And so I see it happen. He's like, what are you even talking about? Then she walks away like with her latte and yoga mat. But when I see him, I was like, I think I know what happened. Tell me what happened. He tells me. And I was like, you know, she only did that because I am black and you are not. He's biracial, but based on Mm -hmm. the time of day or year or length of his hair, he could be any number of things. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely an interaction where this woman who thought she was doing the right thing kind of ruined my day because of what she doesn't expect two people of a different race to be doing with each other. It's like throwing a pail of cold water on like yeah. what was like a really fun little Yeah. Movie. The reminder for me in that moment was like, check yourself and your assumptions and your biases. Do yeah. that. Because before you know it, you're ruining someone's day or worse, getting them in trouble. What if this woman was like, I should call the cops? Right. You know Thinking what I'm saying? she didn't go take it yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it's fine. I'm all right. But for a few hours, I was just like, F that. Mm-hmm. So my vibe right now is just like, in general, to all people, mind your business. It's like, I'm trying to be generous of spirit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, people are being harassed and stuff like that. Sure, you don't want to be a bystander when something obviously exactly. bad is going exactly. on. But it's also kind of like, maybe take one more beat and kind of read, you know, it's like, is your partner looking distressed? No, he's he's fine. And he's, in fact, he was, y'all are talking. He was talking back to me. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a little, mm, you don't have to be the hero of this story. Exactly. With that, let's hear a little bit from our third sister who is not here in taping with us. As we told you, uh, Zach is in Europe, but he left us a little update. Let's play it now. Hey, ladies. It's me. It's Zach. I am uh, not with you this week. And I'm really sad. This is actually quite weird because last week we had such a big week. We had Jennifer Hudson. We had a Born in Times Square. And there's just so much else that was happening. That was just so wonderful. And now I'm in Berlin with like the cold and the films and all this other stuff. So I'm in Berlin, as some of you know, uh, for the Berlin Film Festival. This year I am going to lots of festivals. It's been quite a journey and that's for like another day, I'll tell you why. Um, But I have been seeing so many movies and I get to be in Germany and it's just been been so wonderful so far. And uh, that's kind of where my vibe's at this week. I'm back in a place that I love so much. I think Berlin is one of the most underrated European cities. Um, it's just a really, really beautiful place. And maybe when I'm back, I'll give people like a rundown of where, where you should go. But what you should know is that in honor of Lydia Tarr being up for an Oscar, and Lydia Tarr is obviously Kate Blanchett in the movie Tarr, um, I am channeling her in the good ways, not the terrible ways in the movie, but in the good ways of her being chic and fashionable and running around Berlin this week. So you may catch me at the Berlin Symphony or doing other bougie Lydia Tarr things because I'm very much that girl this week. <laughs> but I miss everyone. I hope everyone's great. And I can't wait to listen to what y'all talk about. Um, it's so exciting to be a fan sometimes. Like, I think life is really fun when you get to be a fan of people around you. And this week, I'm a fan. A vibe check. So uh, you guys enjoy and uh, you're going to be brilliant. Oh my Aww. gosh. That was so I love cute. it. I've we never been you. to Berlin. Have you? I have, I, but it's been a while. Uh, yeah. I was there for like a month in 2012. 
It was early when I was writing How We Fight for Our Lives, and I just pretended I was living in <laughs> Berlin, and I wrote, yeah. you know, in cafes. It is. It's a great— so I haven't been there in the winter. That's my thing. I was mm. there in the summer, but it's it's really beautiful, and I could see why he would love it. We need to go back. Maybe we'll take a group trip. I'm down. I mean, mm-hmm. I will say, if he's living that Lydia Tarr best life, y'all got to so let jealous. Lydia Tarr go. I'm like, what? I'm like, no. isn't the whole point of the movie that she's like not someone you necessarily know, want to emulate? But she's Loki aspirational, <laughs> save for the bad parts, <laughs> the, the clothes, the house, y'all need to the get style, it together, the car. <laughs> but Zach, baby, have a great we miss you, time. Zach. We fun. do miss you. We do yeah. miss you. Okay, well, before we get into this week's episode, we want to thank all of you who sent us fan mail and reach out to us on social media. It was really great, you know, reading over the weekend your your breakup playlist and just hearing how, like, last week's episode resonated with you. And, I, I mean, we had a good time on the Jennifer Hudson show, too, we should say. It was say, so but it was, fun. <laughs> yeah. But it was also fun seeing, like, how excited y'all were. You know, it's, it's a back and forth. It was really cool. And shout out to Jennifer. She's built a really welcoming comforting, warm, like friendly, happy space on that show. It's space, fun to be which there. is not an easy thing to do, but deeply needed. And so we yeah. loved getting to be a part of that. Yeah. Um, and again, you guys can always email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. We love Woo, let me. <laughs> <laughs> it stays. Chantel, it stays. Damn it. <laughs> stitcher.com. <laughs> oh my God. God, the it chaos, stays. the chaos. All right, let's jump the in, contradictions. shall we? The oh contradictions. <laughs> I'm done. All right, so to kick things off, on February 16th, Senator John Fetterman of Pennsylvania announced that he was checking into the Walter Reed Medical Center to treat a case of obdurate. And I had to look up this term. It basically means persistent, kind mm. of stubborn depression. Mm. His aides say they expect him to return from inpatient care in a few weeks. And as Sam noted, this is certainly the first time, at least in our recent memory, but yeah. I would also argue in recent history, yeah. uh, that a, a sitting U.S senator or in someone of that kind of scale of U.S. politics, you know, has been so candid about their mental health. You might recall that Fetterman had a stroke last May while he was campaigning for the U.S. Senate, and that was, of course, complicated. Um, One-third of people who've experienced a stroke deal with depression afterward. But what I thought was interesting, in an article for The Atlantic magazine titled John Fetterman and the Performance of Wellness by journalist Jennifer Senior, she made a great point. She said Fetterman's office could have blamed his depression on his stroke, which, of course, is a common cause of depression, but instead the office made of point of saying that Fetterman had had depression in the past, right? So they, they he could have, you mm-hmm. know, kind of directed it in mm-hmm. a different way and, you know, kind of said, like, this is a fluke. But there is something powerful to someone of his kind of political stature being like, no, I have depression. Many people do. I'm not going to pretend like it's not a part of my life. And something else that Senior does in the article that I thought was helpful that I wanted to talk about is she cites the work of sociologist Irving Goffman, who drew a distinction between front stage and Mm. backstage selves. Um, Mm. Senior explains, in short, our front stage selves are controlled, formal, fit for public consumption. And she points out, like, it's hard to think of a role, you know, a job role that's more public and front stage than being a senator. I mean, you're just kind of always expected to be on, right? And Mm -hmm. then she notes that our backstage selves are unvarnished, 
less filtered, generally reserved for intimates, the people we are when we drop the facade, which is like the antithesis of being like a U.S. senator. And so when you think about depression, she says that basically this means every high-functioning depressed person has a self that they are trying very hard to conceal. And that this Mm -hmm. concealment is work, right? You're performing your wellness. For some people, that can be more exhausting than their actual day job. So there's a lot here. There's There's a lot I want to talk about. You know, on on top of first just saying, I'm so proud of him and his Mm -hmm. team for being able to be candid and honest about mental health issues. As someone, we all deal with mental health issues in our family, in our friend circles. And I've seen moments in my and others' lives where there isn't enough candor and honesty. So to see this... In front of the nation's politics, it's right. it's really brave, and I salute and commend all of them for doing this, one. But something that stands out when you were going through those points and this idea from the article of the front stage self and the backstage self, I think increasingly in this era of social media and internet and all the apps, we don't even know where those lines are anymore, right. which makes mm-hmm. it even harder to navigate mental health. When you live in the world, but also live on five different apps and you're always kind of performing something, what is your front stage self? What is your backstage self? And how can you navigate mental health in that weird minefield? And when I think of that, it makes perfect sense that the latest data on teenagers shows that they are struggling with their mental health, perhaps even more than adults right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You've probably Mm -hmm. seen the data now. It came out last week. But the latest numbers, according to the CDC, show that nearly three in five teenage girls felt persistent sadness in 2021. That's double the rate of boys. And then one in three girls seriously considered attempting suicide. Right. You know, so what Fetterman is dealing with is highlighting what is actually a crisis for all of us across all age demos and race and background and gender. So it makes me even more proud of him to do this and own this and be open about it. But it also just speaks to this larger problem that a lot of us aren't doing what Fetterman has done and being open and honest about our mental health care. And it's hurting the youngest of us the most, which just breaks my heart. Gosh, yeah, you just lit up so much for me. You know, when I was in college, there was a classmate of mine who was really mean. She was she was not a nice person. But what I always found interesting and what stays with me all these years later is that when she was about to be her most brutal, you know, and just callous to someone, she would preface it by saying, I'm just keeping it real. I'm just keeping Mm. it real. And then would just Mm -hmm. like totally kind of go for the gut. And Mm -hmm. I say that because Fetterman already has an incredible, obviously like he's been in politics for over a decade in terms of like local politics in Pennsylvania, right? So he's not doing the game, but he already has an incredible legacy of realness. Mm -hmm. And I think in this era, whether it's, you know, young people or politicians and Marjorie Taylor Greene is someone who comes to mind as someone who will be like, I'm just keeping it real. I'm the mm-hmm. real, you know, that where authenticity as a brand is so false. I'm really inspired by John Fetterman and the people who work to support him, right? It, yeah. it seems like yeah. it's there's a synergy there that, you know, both in terms of how he was dealing with the stroke, how he was dealing with his the accommodations he needed, right? Like doing interviews and having the like the audio to yeah. text captioning and all of that. And then again, the candor here with like, no, this is not a fluke. This is something he's been dealing with for a while. 
that's really powerful because when someone you respect hides what they're going through, you know, or mm-hmm. or make you know, you know what I mean? Yes. You I think internalize that too. Yeah. And I think what's really interesting about the tightrope that politicians mm-hmm. on the national stage have to navigate, they have to perform superhumanness just to win. They have right. to like basically make themselves into superheroes to win. Mm-hmm. You know, for women, they have to be tough while also beautiful right. and in heels. For men, they've got to prove there's some kind of gladiator. I think of these GOP men running for Congress who like show off their guns in the ads, right? right. Like there's this expectation of performance mm-hmm. and a performance of hyper masculinity, hyper femininity or superhumanness, right? Mm-hmm. And so it would be hard in any job to say, I got to take some time off now for depression. Right. But in that kind of job, mm-hmm. where there is such an expectation of performance, it makes it even that much more brave for him to do it. You know, but my question with all of this is like, what does it change for all of us, you know, for the rest of us? I don't think we're going to see any more American politicians at that level be more candid about their mental health. Mm. But I do hope that what happens is that he just sparks a conversation. I think the first thing that always has to happen before anyone deals with those kind of issues is to just say it out loud. Right. I'm dealing with this. This is bugging me. Today I feel X, Y, Z. And saying that to yourself in the mirror, saying it to friends and family, that's the first step. And my hope is that this news from Fetterman's camp just prompts and sparks some conversations. Yeah. But I don't think that this moment for him changes the dynamics of performance that politicians at his level face. Yeah, and I mean, I think there are some exceptions. I think of Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I remember her doing a series of Instagram lives after the January 6th attack on the Capitol. And I remember her speaking just really, you know, and it was, there's always a balance because of literal national security and all these kind of, you know, it's an ongoing investigation at that point. So there, you know, there were limits to, I think, understandably the detail, but I remember being impressed by her talking about trauma and being like, that was too much, too soon, too fast. I'm still processing, you know, like that. And, and, And again, it's like, it shouldn't be noteworthy for someone who's experienced literally a terrorist attack to be like, I'm shook. But mm-hmm. but it was noteworthy. And you're right. At this point, you know, um, AOC, Fetterman, it, it's a short list mm-hmm. to see people kind of acknowledging that. And but I but I love, I love that you are drawing a direct connection from okay, these are some of the most powerful people in our country. What about some of the least powerful? And I think that goes to young people and children. Yeah. And, and it's crazy. And you're right. I mean, I remember, you know, I like TikTok. It's fun. I'm probably between the three of us, the one. Who's yeah. posting the most? I don't be on TikTok there. I don't be on there. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd be watching like, my TikToks cute. on Instagram. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like, I'll wait until it shows up as a reel three weeks later. I'm like, okay, it's fine. <laughs> you know, we all move at our own paces. Yeah. But I remember kind of having a oh wow moment early on when I got into TikTok because the kind of social media you and I kind of came up with, you know, yeah. which the, primarily Facebook and then like Twitter, um, you know, TikTok often is like, what's your home like? That's yeah. what I remember thinking about. We're, we're in your home. We're watching uh-huh. you with your partner. We're watching yes. you go to Starbucks. What it's kind like of kitchen everything. does your family have? What does your yep. bedroom look like? What's your backyard? And and as a kid who grew up kind of living paycheck to paycheck with a single mom, I, I remember only in retrospect do I have an appreciation for what you're kind of talking about. Home was the backstage. 
Yep. Home was a private space. It wasn't always paradise, I want to be clear, but there is something about when it comes to whether you're talking about mental health or just kind of going through it, dealing with your sexuality, gender, whatever, having a backstage where you can figure out your stuff and then you go to school. You know what I mean? Then you enter the the social realm, um, I think is really important. And whether that's, you know, I was thinking of like school students having to do Zoom during early mm-hmm. in the pandemic and like maybe some students don't feel comfortable having exactly. their their family home situation. Yeah. You know, I, I think there's, it's, it's helpful to think about this distinction of the backstage and the front stage and like what are the costs the when lines those lines are, so are blurred. blurred. Yeah. Well, and then what I find can be helpful but also be harmful, I see the rise of mental health TikTok and mental health social media. Yeah. And in some regard, yeah. it's like, oh, you can share your problems with others dealing with the same thing and we can come together. But other times it feels like there is this pressure to perform the hilarity of your mental health issues online for all to see instead of just maybe putting the phone down and getting some other kinds of help that you need. I think it can be a really, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I do think that sometimes, you know, the promise of mental health TikTok or the promise of social media to connect with folks going through the same thing isn't always fulfilled. And we end up stuck in these feedback loops where we're on a device still sad and not doing real tangible things in the real world to work on these things. And I don't want to at all discredit anybody who is using these spaces for Mm -hmm. their mental health. Mm -hmm. But I think that can't be it. That's a, a really great point. You know, as as someone who teaches and writes, but also teaches like nonfiction workshops, right? And often that people want to write like memoir kind of material. I try to point people to thinking about like, okay, this is a potent story, a potent situation. Are we still in it though? Like, are we still mm. literally in the situation? Mm. And I guess you're right. I mean, let's let's imagine if Senator John Fetterman was giving hourly updates from the Walter Reed Medical Center. And like, so here's how my therapy yeah. said. I mean, and, and that w- we would go, whoa, that's ludicrous. Why would you doing that? But that's essentially what a lot of us are doing. And listen, it's not just young people. I sometimes do this on Twitter. You know, like yeah. th- there are different ways that you're right. We're, we're so confessional about everything. The work in progress is like, well, no, it's literally in progress. <laughs> it's in progress. It's called work for, for a reason. And I think yeah. thinking of that, what are some things that, deserve to be a part of our backstage? What are some processes that deserve to just need to play out? And maybe if you have a lesson, you can share the lesson later. Yes. Um, worth thinking Share the about. lesson. And like for me, the lesson from Fetterman's story and, and your comments, it's like everyone preserve your backstage, yes. preserve your backstage self, make space for you to take care of you yeah. and know that like sometimes a lot of that work has to happen away from the public eye, away from social media, and with close friends, family, and loved ones. And when it comes to preserving your backstage, this is really important. No one is going to help you do it. There you go. You have to do it. And this is this is the problem, particularly like social media. There's always going to be some people who will applaud. You know what I mean? Like if you're willing to put yourself mm-hmm. out there, there are always going to be people. So I think it's, 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 and this is a real challenge, but it has to come down to you, maybe a mentor, like your core circle, which can only be two or three people. Only you are going to be able to create that boundary. You can't depend on the public. Imagine if John Fetterman was like, let's take a poll. Exactly. Do you think I should take some time exactly. off? Like that's 
that's not the way. But that's how so many of us live. Exactly. Yeah. So for those of you who are hearing this and might be in crisis or know someone who is in crisis, there's a number you can call. It's 1-800-662-HELP. 1-800-662-4357. That is a national helpline for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. At that number, they can refer you to services and talk to you about what you're dealing with. If you're in crisis, seriously, the first thing to do is reach out and be open about what you're dealing with. Also, if any of you are in a position listening where you are a mentor or close loved one to young people, check on your young people. You know, this study that I cited earlier, it's found that rates of mental health problems have gone up with every survey of young people since 2011. It's an ongoing I might have mentioned this on a recent episode, and this might be the same survey from the CDC. It pointed to, I believe it was one in five, which is about, I think they said it was like 22% of young people who identify Mm. as LGBTQIA had attempted suicide in the last year. Not just considered, but attempted. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we talk so often on Vibe Check about the many um, kind of pressures and, you know, systemic collapses weighing down on us, but it's always going to fall hardest on, on young people, right? Because they're the least equipped. So we also want to draw attention to the National Suicide and Crisis Line. And this is great. It's kind of like instead of 911, you just call 988. Again, that's 988. I'm so grateful that we have these resources. We need more. We yeah. always need more. But yeah. It's a good start. Yeah. Okay, it's time for us to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back to get even deeper into our feelings. Yes. (laughs) This is what happens when Zach leaves us, actually. (laughs) This is the problem. You leave Saeed and Sam alone, and we're like, and we're going deep. We're going to get into it. We're going to get into it. Welcome to the deep end with Saeed and Sam. (laughs) We'll be right back. Meet Gail. Her thing is being a supermom. And Supermom has a lot on her supersized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth. But at Walmart Pharmacy, Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines. We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment. That's Next Level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. $0 copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. Capella University is rethinking higher education. With their game-changing FlexPath format, you can earn your degree on your schedule, so you can fit education seamlessly into your life. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. All right, we are back. You're listening to The Sad Sisters Express, (laughs) Sam and Saeed. (laughs) 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 And to stay in our fields for this next segment, we're going to talk about the diva of the moment with all the feels, the one Mm -hmm. and only SZA. She's just doing the the thing real big. If you didn't know already, her sophomore album, SOS, which came out in December of 2022, it has broken a bunch of records. I want to talk about that celebrate that, and then talk about why her music is hitting real hard right now. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. SZA's album SOS has been at the number one spot on the Billboard Top 200 album chart for a 10th week in a row. For 10 weeks, 
She has had the top-selling album in the country. This is a record. The last time a woman did this was Adele's 25. It's kind of wild because it took Adele about a decade to get to those Adele levels. This Mm -hmm. is is a second album. Right. Like, in the greater scheme of things, she just got here. But it's working. It's really working. Yeah, and I know we've both been reading Danielle Smith's incredible profile of SZA for the New York Times Magazine, and she kind of talks about some other records as well. But depending on whether you're looking at, like, R&B charts and da-da-da, the scale of SZA's success with SOS at this point, some of it is taking us to records that were last achieved by people like Whitney Houston mm-hmm. and Mariah Carey. And I mean, exactly. we're talking early 90s. Oh, like, yeah. That is yeah. incredible kind of for wild. a sophomore album. Well, and her first album, which I even love more than SOS, oh, yeah. Control, CTRL, it has been on the charts, on the Billboard Hot 200 chart for 294 weeks and counting. Wow, weeks. That means her first album <laughs> never still left. won't go away. Uh-huh. It never, never left. left. Wow. It never left. And so when I think about what makes an artist like SZA resonate in this moment, for me it's simple, and I want to talk more about it with you, Saeed. I think that the beauty of SZA is that she allows us to celebrate the feelings that we would usually be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. SZA mm-hmm. lives and honoring feelings of anger and regret and sadness. And she mm-hmm. lets us live in those fields and say, this breakup hurt me. I hate my ex. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be loud about it. And I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm the extent to, to which SZA allows us to feel our feels mm-hmm. has been freeing for so many of us. And I think that's why it works. But I mean, right. you're an even bigger fan of hers than I am. Why is it working for you? Well, I mean, gosh, there's so many reasons. But to what you were just saying, I mean, think about our conversation about depression and and John Fenderman, right? Front stage, backstage. Something I've appreciated in her commentary and her interviews about this album is she's like, listen— All of these relationships, this is like from five or six, seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like, right, that she's drawing a distinction between like the present and the past. Because I think if you think of a song like Kill Bill, right, like I might kill my ex, you know, she's like, let's, she's like, let me make it very clear. This is not an emotional state I'm in right now. And I think that's so smart because one, just like we were saying, she was, she's no longer in the story. It's no longer unfolding, right? It's not like she's like on the couch talking to her therapist between concert performances. Mm -hmm. And so, like, she's allowed herself to get to a different place, which means you can look back and go, like, damn, I was crazy. I said, (laughs) what? I mean, one of the lyrics, what, on F2F, I hate me enough for the two of us. Wow. And so, like, because she's, like, being, I think, candid about the distance, I think that allows me in more because I'm not, like, I'm not scared. I'm not, like, taking it a little, not even too seriously, but I'm like, oh, this is someone reflecting with self-awareness. Exactly. Well, and what I love about SZA and the ability for her to write a song like Kill Bill and we Mm -hmm. all get it, Mm -hmm. it's actually growth in the way we talk about and think about black music and black lyrics. I remember... 10, 15 years ago, when I was starting to cover music in public radio, there was this inability for a lot of critics and writers about Black music to suspend their disbelief and Mm. understand that, like, this Black rapper's lyrics weren't actually about doing all those things. Right. Whereas, as long as there have been white guys with guitars, they can say whatever in a song, Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, it's just a lyric. 
You know, right. we never hold death metal against the people that make death metal, mm-hmm. right? Didn't the, st- the state of California, like, just pass a law that, like, rap lyrics can't be held against an artist in a court yeah. of law? Yeah, and New York still tries to use lyrics mm-hmm. to prosecute people, mm-hmm. right? But there's a long history of black artists not being given the creative license right. to make lyrics like the ones in Kill Bill that are meant to kind of be a joke, but also you get it. And so to see SZA make this song, and the song is like number two in the country right now, to see it work, I'm happy mm-hmm. about that. I also, what I love about SZA and her lyrics, and you see this in Kill Bill, she's also poking fun at herself Yes. While living in these dark feelings, yes. there's this refrain in Kill Bill where in between talking about I want to kill my ex, I hate it, I'll, I will go to jail to mm-hmm. not be alone, she refrains over and over again, I'm so mature. I'm so right. mature. I'm so mature. I'm so mature. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, I get it. Like She's laughing <laughs> mm-hmm. at this character version of herself. It's some next level songwriting. Yeah. I'm so glad you draw attention to the humor of a song like Kill Bill, which is heartbreaking. I mean, the last beat of the song is her saying, I'd rather be in hell than be alone. You know, so no matter how self-aware this this persona, you know, is trying to convince us if they are, by the end it's like, ooh, no, you are not in a good place. But the humor, and to me, I think a song like Kill Bill in particular, I love so much because it's really in line with a century-old legacy of country music in terms of Mm. storytelling. Like, you notice the song has a plot. Like, the the tense changes. So it goes from I might to I just... You know, now. which again is pretty funny. You kind of want to yeah. hear where, you yeah. know, where is this? How far is this going to go? Like, is this someone just kind of ruminating and venting or are they actually committed mm-hmm. to it? Right. But also it's the blues tradition, which goes back to the 1920s, 1930s. I'm thinking of singers like Bessie Smith um, with the empty bed blues. Um, one of my favorite lyrics, my bed might get empty, make me feel awful mean and blue. My springs are getting rusty, sleeping single like I do. That kind mm. of... Like, blues had such a sense of, uh, and Mon Rainey did this as well, you know, saying the quiet part loud. And I just mm-hmm. think it's really great, a sen- literally a century later, to hear a young Black woman saying the quiet part loud, the messiness. And in Kill Bill, it's working on every level, right? Not just, like, the themes of the song, I'm so mad at my ex, I want to do something horrible, but also, like, in terms of that, and you know this language better than I do, right? I didn't study music. But like, I love in the verse of the song, in the verses when particularly early on, she's trying to perform wellness, so to speak, right? She's trying to perform like, I'm okay. (laughs) You know, I'm so happy for you. You know, when she say I'm still a fan, but I was kind of salty. You know, the, the, if you, like to me, the notes and the lyrics, it's fast, it's casual, and it feels kind of tight. It feels someone like, feels like someone trying to like smile through their teeth. Mm-hmm. which is what you do mm-hmm. when you know. And then when we get to the chorus, you know, suddenly the notes are bigger. There's it's more source. range. Is that it's accurate? Source. Oh, it's yeah. so true. And like you allude to a thing that I actually love in SZA's songwriting and what my colleagues over at the Vulture podcast, Switched on Pop, have talked about at Love those guys. Switched on Pop is a wonderful pop music uh, podcast. Go check it out. They have an episode about SZA's style of songwriting, which gets to some of this. But what I love the most about the way SZA writes songs 
her songs play out and her lyrical delivery plays out not as if she were sitting at the piano to craft a pop hit, but it sounds like she was just writing in her journal, free associating, mm -hmm. and then began to kind of sing the words as she wrote them. Yes. Like, think about the way she delivers that first verse. It's like, uh -huh, uh -huh. all these unexpected runs. It's like she's free associating. Mm -hmm. You hear her almost think out the lyrics in real time. It sounds mm -hmm. like that, right? Mm -hmm. That is a very hard thing to do, especially when you think about some of the like big biggest pop hit makers of our day. I think about Taylor Swift, no shade to her, but when Taylor Swift makes a hit, she's making a hit that is meant to like bury itself into your brain. Right. And it sounds like a chorus to be belted from the rafters. SZA makes these songs that become hits that sounds like she was just free writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That is hard to do. <laughs> yeah. And I love the, the songwriting comparison between Taylor Swift and SZA because I think they're both geniuses. They're both this. geniuses, obviously. And what, yeah. and, and what I think, my theory is that the reason Taylor has like a military, perfectly enunciated precision to her lyrics is that it's, it's, it's an act of transference. It's yes. an act of relatability, right? Yes. So, you know, me, I'm the problem, it's me. It's designed to be relatable and easy for us to sing and mimic so that yes. Taylor kind of creates this narrative and then we're able to pick it up, inherit it, and use it as catharsis, which is great. Yes, yes. What SZA is doing, because you're right, it does, and it's so tricky. Like a lot of people think they can do this free association and whatever, mm -hmm. but she's it's like a free association tone with the precision of the fiercest rapper. Yes. you've ever come across. You know yes. what I mean? And so yes. to me, it's like, it's not so easy to mimic. I'm scared no. to sing along with SZA songs. And it's so like, to me, am I allowed to? <laughs> and, that it, and there it is. Because to me, yeah. it's like, if Taylor Swift is like, here's the lyrics, I'm handing them to you. Now this yes. is your story. SZA's writing and her singing style never allow you to go, it's, this is Saeed's story. It's SZA like, no, is just this is asking just you to her. watch. Yes. SZA is asking you to watch. Yes. The and catharsis is watching someone else. And I love you said this about Rihanna several times. The, like the full power of the yes. self, the full power yeah. of being at ease with herself. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, and then it's like you think about even the song structure of the hits that she's making. Mm -hmm. So months before the album came out, she had a teaser single from the album, this song called Good Days, which mm -hmm. I loved. Good Days is this song where the verses flow into the chorus and you don't know what's which. Right. People have talked about this. Uh, she told Danielle Smith about this in the Times profile. She's like, yeah, my sense of song structure is weird. I'm not doing traditional, usually, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, van. Mm -hmm. Like, it's weird. Mm -hmm. And like, parts of these songs will fall into each other and you don't know where you are, but it's like, that's the point. Mm -hmm. The beauty of a great SZA song is that in the middle of it, you feel like you are in the middle of her brain. Right. You're, you're like swimming in her words mm -hmm. and it's just great. I can't speak highly enough about just like the way she crafts her songs. You know, Kill Bill is probably the most radio friendly song on the album right. and it's still kind of weird as fuck. It's incredible. I, mean, I love it. I, I wish weird. I was teaching a poetry workshop right now <laughs> yeah. because I think it's like comedic irony, understatement. The oh fact God. that the climax of the song is, I did it all for love. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of, you and can see her screaming away. as the cops <laughs> exactly. are leading her away. I did it all yeah. for us. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like, oh my gosh. 
it's it's so brilliant. And I think, you know, going with the kind of theme of this episode of front stage to backstage, she's mm-hmm. found a way to craft the illusion. This is an illusion. It's not yes. real. This is artifice that we are fully in the backstage with SZA, right? Because yeah. when you're in the backstage with someone, you're right. There isn't coherent structure. There isn't, you know, it is going to be messy and free association. And it's just... I think it is liberating to kind of get to witness and celebrate someone do that because it is still very well done. And at the end of the day, it's like you can never underestimate the craft. I mean, gosh, she's so good. She's so good. And just sophomore album. Sophomore Ah! album. And and, and (laughs) it's funny. So in the profile of her for the times that Danielle Smith wrote, there's a line in which she's getting ready for the release and someone's like, are you worried about the sophomore slump? And she was like... I don't know what that is. I've actually never heard the term. <laughs> no, you're like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> this profile is so good. Yes. Uh, it is called Scissors Ruination Brought Her Everything by my friend Danielle Smith, one of the best music writers yes. to ever do it. We love her so much. Listeners, if you aren't onto this SZA album, get into it and write us and tell us what you like about it, if you like it and what you like. Also, please go check out that first album, Control. Baby, that one slaps. With that, I'm going to take one more quick break. When we come back, some recommendations to keep your vibe right. All right, my loves, welcome back to, I'm going to call this episode, you know, the contradiction front stage, backstage, you know, going deep with Saeed. I love it. With Saeed and Sam and SZA. Triple S's. Triple S, baby. No us. (laughs) You know, every week we like to end the show with some recommendations that are helping us keep our vibe right. Zach has a recommendation that we're going to hear in a second. But Sam, let's start with you. You know, we've been talking about music, and I had been meaning to mention it the last few weeks on the show. It's a cover of a Harry Styles song that I think is phenomenal. Come on, Y'all know I have thoughts about Harry Styles, and y'all know I think Beyonce should have won Album of the Year. That said, uh, my recommendation this week is this really fun, funky, soulful cover of the Harry Styles hit, As It Was. This cover is by this band called Prep, P-R-E-P. This is some grown folks R&B, baby. Okay. throw this on at your next get together you're going to impress your friends Ooh, you're going okay. to impress your friends it's an impressive R&T. song Anywho, i'm prep, into it that's a good as recommendation. it was my recommendation okay all right well my recommendation for the week um i think i mentioned this like a few weeks ago but i've really been in like america ferrera era i love her we really do she's really like a legend the like she is a sitcom legend and so i finished ugly betty which i gotta tell you i felt like i was in the trenches y'all you finished was, it it was you it finished was, it it's it was long, a lot right it was how many it was seasons a lot. Four seasons, okay. and, it, and that, and this is early two thousand. So four seasons, so in each episode. Episodes. Was, it was like seasons, yeah, 21, 22 hey. episodes. It was. Yeah. I've been through a lot. Been through a lot. Um, okay. But I decided to like. I was like, okay, let me try Superstore, the show she did from twenty fifteen to twenty twenty one. I think it's like five seasons, and it's really great. It's. I think you know why part of it's resonating. Like literally, at one mm-hmm. point in the season, they have a strike. There's conversations about unions. Okay, um, they're going I think there. later. I think later in the in the show's run, I'm excited to see what how they played out. But I think the pandemic and like what it you know because basically it's you know su- the Superstore is essentially like a Walmart. 
you know, and so mm-hmm. it's about the lives of the people who make this place work for the customers who take them for granted, you know, and it's really interesting to me that in two different shows, America Ferrer, and I believe she's a producer for Superstore, like, mm-hmm. she's very interested in working class people, um, class tensions, what it means to be the people who are taken for granted, even though you kind of make everything else around you work. I think that's, yeah. like, you know, a common thread for both shows, and it's just... Funny as hell. The comedy is a little darker and a little more sinister, actually, than yeah. Ugly Betty. So it's it's pretty naughty. Yeah. I like it. No, good. I love it. Well, and I also love that, like, with Superstore, with Abbott, with other shows, like, the sitcom is having a moment. I think yes. for a while, in this push for prestige TV and the rise of streaming, there was this idea that, like, the sitcom was an outdated mode of making television. Yeah. Still works, still slaps. Yeah. I love a good sitcom. Yeah, really and I'm do. glad you and I'm glad you brought it Abbott Elementary, which I obviously love. So if you like Abbott Elementary but want a show, and I also love shows that you can binge that just have like they've completed their run and you're like, oh great, I have five seasons mm-hmm. to get through. I think that's wonderful mm-hmm. in winter in particular. If you want like Abbott but like a little saltier. A little, mm. a little messier. You know what I mean? Because okay. Abbott, it's it's still an elementary school, yeah. so there, there's yeah. you know limits to how far they're gonna go. Definitely check out Superstore. It'll it'll crack you up. We love it, love it, love it. And then I think Zach has a recommendation. Yeah, I'm intrigued because just because we're long distance doesn't mean we're gonna like, deny y'all some good you vibes. Go. You know, there so you let's go. hear what Zach yes. has to say. My vibe wreck this week is an Apple hack. And as some of you all know, I've become obsessed with like the culture of dupes, which I'm going to do an episode on dupes soon. I'm doing my research, all this stuff. But I was at the Apple store recently with my boyfriend who was getting a new phone and we were looking at all the accessories and I was like, girl, these accessories are so expensive. And I keep forgetting how expensive Apple accessories are. And a woman at a store, I'm not going to say what store because I'm not trying to get anybody fired, but she said to us, listen, go on Amazon and just get the others. And we did that. And my rec this week, on Amazon, it's one of those MagSafe wallets. I don't know if y'all have seen these before, but they're the wallets that are on the back of your phone. And I, you know, I've never been one to, like, want to put everything on my phone because I don't want to, like, lose my phone and lose my life. But what's amazing is, like, there's times when I'm running out of the house and I just need, like, my ID and maybe a credit card or maybe just my ID, but I don't want to bring my wallet or cash. And if you get these little MagSafe wallet things that attach... Those are perfect for those moments. And I have felt like a freedom this week of not having a ton of things on me. Like I literally go for a walk and I just have my phone and my ID. So, you know, my vibe break this week is you go on Amazon, get the MagSafe wallet. Just try it. It's like 10 bucks, I think 14 bucks. They're really wonderful. And it's not like not too, too wild of a number if you don't like it. So that's my rack. Would I ever do that wallet that Zach is talking about? Because I am always scared about losing the wallet and the phone mm-hmm. at the same time. But I think with these MagSafes, you can have a little thing that can track them too, right? Yeah, maybe. So that's cool. I think, maybe. yeah, my thing, I was hesitant. But then I realized it's far more likely I would, like, lose my wallet than I would lose my phone because I use mm. my phone so much. Like, I, yeah. it's just, like, You're so, like, even, not, when, I'm, even yeah. when I'm home, I'm like, okay, go into the living room. I take my phone with me. So I feel like the distance I would be allowed to walk before I realize I don't have my, oh, phone, have my phone with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I get that. I might try it out. I'm going to try it out. And and if it goes wrong, I'll just blame Zach. (laughs) Although, because I'm the elder of this group, y'all do know I have that old man OtterBox on my iPhone. I know you It's like eight feet thick. It works. It's so heavy. I used to have an even bigger OtterBox with like a holster for my waist. (laughs) (laughs) Why do you need that? Are you going to war? Okay. It it feels like that sometimes. (laughs) All right. All right. (laughs) Anywho, listeners, let us know what you're vibing to. (laughs) 
Yeah, what are you feeling or not feeling this week? Check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend. As always, huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Brendan Burns, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And last but not least, thanks to Jared O'Connell and Amelda Skinder for all of their help. We want to hear from you. Don't forget, you can email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com and keep in touch with us on Instagram and Twitter at The Ferocity, at Sam Sanders, and at Zach Staff. Use the hashtag vibecheckpod so we can see it. Also, follow us on TikTok at vibecheckpod. Stay tuned for another episode next Wednesday. Bye. Bye, everybody. Stitcher.